Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. You were an assistant coach for a, a long time, maybe 10 years plus, uh, at UCSB and Santa Clara. Uh, how was the transition, you know, becoming a head coach, and I guess what were some of the adjustments that you made? Transitions. Um, well, um, yeah, I worked at, uh, man, I worked for, for Rick McLaughlin at, at Santa Barbara, who uh, I, I, I learned a ton from, especially um, on how to train and, and what's important and methods and principles and, and all those things. And, and then I went and worked up at Santa Clara for John Wallace, who was an absolutely incredible mentor and still is to me. Um, he, uh, John gave me a lot of autonomy, um, and space to be creative in his program. And, um, there's a lot of things that I implemented there that didn't work. And there's some things that, uh, I implemented there that did and I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity because I learned a ton from that but I also learned a ton from him and so you know the reason why I bring that up is I feel really fortunate that I got to kind of work for for both those guys um, before taking the job I felt um, I guess you're never really ready but I, I felt prepared and I felt like I was ready to take it on um, and then just as far as what the transitions like it you know it's uh, hiring a staff is, is a really big deal and delegating and making decisions on preseason schedule. And, uh, you know, there's just, it's, it's a lot more multifaceted than, uh, what I expected. But, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was hiring a staff and, you know, Ben Lee, Natalie Morgan and Jackson Medikekia have been rock stars and they work their butt off. And, um, you know, what I want from my players is the same thing I want for myself, which is to enjoy what I do and, and who I get to do it with. And, you know, the culture in our gym and the culture in our in our offices is is something that I'm really proud of, and it's just really fun to be around. I'm I'm learning a ton from all of them, and I think they uh, they all are, are enjoying you know working at LMU. Well, how's it been working with John Mayer? Is it as difficult to coach with him as it is to host a podcast with him? John Mayer, yeah, yeah, no, John, uh, man, the guy is really curious, and I love it, um, and even just. You know, all the stuff that you guys are doing with this podcast has been, um, I know just there's a really cool buzz in the volleyball community about it. And it's it's been an awesome resource um, for myself and a lot of others that have people like Hugh McCutcheon and Karch and uh, experts on growth mindset and Lorraine and uh, man, the, it's, the list is endless. So, um, you know, John and I have uh, lengthy conversations about uh, anything from learning to uh, training and, and methods, and um, you know we we love to geek out about Bali. It's uh, it's fun. It is, it is. And I'm glad we're getting to finally do it here on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, so this year I'm uh, going to be coaching Billy, and, and you had him last year. So um, yeah, what what do I need to do? Help me out. <laughs> uh, let me guess. Uh, you're working on his, uh, him serving tougher. <laughs> Number it's one, probably, it's probably one thing. Uh, probably throwing in some more cut shots. <laughs> uh, maybe some more fist pumps, chest bumps. Maybe We've a been working more, on that that side a lot. Yeah, a bit more emotion. Uh, I think Stafford will bring it out of him a little bit more. But uh, no, I think you know Billy's playing the best ball of his life, and uh, 
John, you're going to help him a ton. And you know, I'm not going to say I got fired, but I, I never got a call back. And then, and then, <laughs> and then today on Volumetrics, I got an email saying they got kicked off the portal for uh, Billy Allen and Ryan Doherty. So I, I think it's like official today that I'm done. <laughs> you found out via the podcast. I, 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 I found out from Volumetrics more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got that same email. Yeah, you did. You did. Now I'm fired up to watch him play this year. It's going to be fun. Um, how, how was, uh, I guess working with us and work with LMU training on the beach versus indoor. Um, how is it, what kind of changes do you, like, I guess when you're coaching the two different sports, what kind of changes do you see? Yeah. Uh, the beach game is, uh, can be taught in a lot, uh, simpler fashion. I think there's, um, obviously the, the first obvious part is just, it's two on two and, um, and, uh, while the skills are, you know, you can make arguments that it's a really different sport and it's a very similar sport. And, you know, I think it's probably a little bit more different than it is the same. But, you know, with indoor, there's just there's a lot more intricacies. There's, you know, there's six positions, there's systems, there's in system, out of system, hitting against double blocks, triple blocks, tip out zones. There's all sorts of um, I don't know. It's just really complex. And I'm trying to find a way to simplify, you know, my coaching when it comes to indoor. But I think something that's really refreshing for me is is how John and Betsy go about teaching the beach game. And they really, not that the beach game isn't complex, but they really do a nice job of simplifying how they teach the skills and, you know, some, some really basic but foundational strategies. Um, so I think the biggest difference for me is just, uh, you know, teaching the game of beach volleyball can be a lot simpler than, than indoor. Um, so that's one of the things that stick out to me. Um, something that I'm really uh, kind of proud of that we have going at LMU is I think you know there's not a whole lot of difference of how we teach each skill from indoor and beach so for our indoor players that go out and play beach um, it's not like they're trying to learn how to do the skill differently Um, I think John and I use some different language at times to explain how to do things but ultimately um, it looks very similar and so um, just the fact that our indoor girls get to be around uh, or play indoor volleyball and then be around John and Betsy on the beach has been really good for them um so you know we're trying to make the transition as smooth as possible for our beach players and our our indoor players at lmu and um i think it's something that we're doing a good job of right now and then i guess technique differences aside um if you're running a beach practice does it look similar to an indoor practice as far as the structure of it or are there any tweaks there it does yeah and and maybe it's because i don't know any better yet but um yeah, just the, the the process of being really specific on uh, you know picking one one key from a certain skill and, and tutoring that key in a, a game like environment, um, you know, in a tutor so to speak, uh, especially at the level that you and Stafford and, and Ryan and, and John are at, you, your guys' skill proficiency is really high, so there doesn't need to be a whole lot of block training. Um, you know, in our gym, we do do a little bit of block training, so. Um, but yeah, just as far as the progression is concerned, it's it's all pretty much the same. It's some sort of you know warm up game, um, some skill acquisition work for forty five minutes to an hour, and but being really specific in that skill acquisition time of what specifically the athlete needs to get better at, and almost writing um, a prescription so to speak for for each player and having them be really clear on what they're working on. I think that's that's a universal kind of learning pattern whether it's on the sand or or indoor it it 
either environment, it doesn't matter if you're if you're really dialed into one thing while you're doing the skill, you're going to get better at it, and then and then spend some time competing and learning how to compete and learning how to try to be at your best in in pressure situations and and uh, and things like that. I, that that for me is a general progression of of my practice, whether um, it's indoor or on the beach. All right, we got some listener questions from. Uh, it's actually your entire staff, so and you you already referenced them and they've got questions for you. So here's one from Natalie Morgan, your assistant coach. Um, she says, and kind of on topic is, what do you think the advantage of having a combined beach and indoor program are? Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is just the overall student athlete experience. The fact that you know essentially our indoor players get to play almost two different sports in college is, is really unique and they're both really different. Um, so I think just, uh, the first, yeah, like I said, the first thing that comes to mind is just when they're, when they're all said and done, the fact that they can say that they played indoor and beach and seeing how much our indoor girls love playing on the beaches has been really, um, has been really cool to see. So, um, I think just the overall experience is really good from them. And then as far as the benefit benefits are concerned, um, when it comes to relationships, you know, you, a beach player might be paired up with one of our indoor players on the sand, or maybe, um, our outside in our libero from our indoor team are playing beach and you're really around that person for a solid three or four months and you really get to know them. And so you kind of develop some deeper relationships with, with each other because you're just playing with one person. As far as skill acquisition is concerned, I think that's a, that's a, probably a separate topic i do think that there are some some similarities of trying to learn how to manipulate the ball with your hand whether it's serving or, or hitting shots um even though the environments are different um i think that there's value to uh you know the indoor game is a very position specific uh game and you're tasked with sometimes just one or two things whether you know middles just hit and block type deal and with beach you're you're tasked with playing the whole game so there's nowhere to hide which is pretty uncomfortable for some of our players um, and, and therefore beneficial. And they got to, they got to work through that and learn how to deal with that. So, um, and it's a mental grind. It's, it's learning how to deal with the elements and the sun and, and all those things. And uh, you know, taking all these things that you can't control on the beach and focusing on the things that you can control is uh, I think that's a, a skill that if you can get better at, whether that's indoor or on the beach, that you're going to be at your best if you can, um, if you can get better at those things. So yeah, I, I'm not sure from a skill acquisition standpoint, but I think from a relationship standpoint, from a student athlete experience standpoint, and from just learning how to be uncomfortable uh, and and learn something new standpoint, uh, you know, I think it's been it's been really beneficial for our program. Natalie has another one. She asks, "Do you prefer spending more time in practice on team strengths or weaknesses?" Oh, good question. Um, you know, if if I'm coaching uh, Faluka or Clay Stanley or someone who's just really physically dominant, uh, I think Bill, it would Billy Allen. Billy Allen, yeah. I yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think probably spending more time on their strengths to make sure that um, what their uh, you know advantages, so to speak, is is something that they can learn how to use more often. Um, you know, for, for us, I want our players to be really multifaceted and that doesn't mean that our outsides need to learn how to set. But, um, I believe that a hitter that hits with range is really hard to stop. And so if we have an outside that is having a hard time 
hitting a sharp angle shot and that shot's available a lot and she's choosing not to hit it and she's not proficient at it and she just loves to hit line and she's really good at hitting line. I'm probably going to spend a lot of time with that player teaching them when to hit a sharp angle shot and how to hit a sharp angle shot so they can become more multifaceted. Um, so in that case, it you know that obviously leans towards spending more time on on things that they're not proficient at yet. Um, so I think that there's there's value to both. Um, you know, we ran a pretty fast offense this year, and it's something that I'd say that we were good at and was a strength. But we worked a lot on it, um, and we made sure that we understood how to play with speed from a lot of different types of passes and, and things like that. So um, I would like to have a basic answer and say, I think we do both, but, um, I really enjoy trying to figure out and pinpoint the things that can make us more well-rounded and, uh, and have less chinks in our armor. Um, so to speak. So yeah, probably that. And one more from her. She's got some tough ones. What is, uh, one thing you wish you would have spent more time learning as an assistant coach in preparation for your current, current role? Hmm. Uh, I wish I would have spent, uh, I hope this answers the question. I wish I would have spent more time in, in other gyms. Um, I got pretty used to what we were doing in our gym. I would go back down to, to Santa Barbara's gym, but, uh, you know, if, if coaches are open to it, getting into other people's gyms is, is, I think there's just a ton to learn if you're open to it. And so I wish, you know, I was in, I was in Northern California and, and that's proximity to a lot of different programs. And, um, and if you can get in the more gyms you can get in, I, I just think the better. So I wish I would have taken some more time and got out of my comfort zone a little bit and maybe asked some coaches that maybe I didn't have a great relationship with, if it was okay, if I went and observed kind of what they did and how they did it, because there's a lot of good coaches out there. And, you know, maybe there's some things that you learn that, you want to do it that way or maybe it solidifies what you already believe and that you don't want to do it that way. But, um, I wish I would have done a little bit more of that. Okay. You can pick one volleyball gym that you can go to, which one is it? And one, uh, any sport coach to go, go to, what are they? Two separate questions. Yep. Two separate. Uh, one volleyball gym to go to, uh, would probably be, uh, Karch with the U.S. national team, which is 20 miles from my house and I need to get in there. <laughs> that could be like three hours too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's true. Um, but yeah, what, what he's, what he's done and what he's doing with our team, uh, is, um, he's someone I follow and obviously admire and look up to and, um, yeah, I would love to get in there. And then, uh, man, I, I, I would probably say the All Blacks, I guess. And it really doesn't matter what team or what era. But um, I know James Crow is on the podcast too. But Legacy is one of my all-time favorite books. And, um, man, just the culture there is uh, mind-blowing. And it's, it's, it's definitely inspiring. I'm uh, definitely trying to take things that, uh, you know, we can't emulate the All Blacks by any means. But there's just a lot of powerful things in in that book and in that culture and on that team. And I would love to just uh, see the inner workings of it. They, they do the Hakka and we do the mindset warm up. Yeah. It's a little bit, different. Yeah, they're a little bit, I'd say more aggressive than we are. Um, a little bit. Yeah. We're going to be sitting in a circle meditating while they're screaming at us. Uh, you guys are the, the Jedi's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. No, Aaron, I like that answer about visiting more gyms and kind of seeing different styles. I guess for our listeners out there, 
um, how would they approach that? Like if, uh, would they, like as a college coach yourself, um, would they just want to email a college coach or how would you get invited to come into a gym? That's it. That's a good question. I mean, my, my initial response is like, you just got to throw yourself out there. And, uh, and, and I, to answer your question specifically about how to communicate, I think email is a good way. If you don't know a coach well, you probably don't have their phone number. So, uh, you know, I've gotten a handful of emails since I've been at LMU of a couple of people that I know sort of, and then, you know, a couple of people I don't know at all. And I mean, our gym is, is open. We don't have any volley secrets. And, um, you know, I always, anybody who comes into our gym and observes, I always ask them, you know, what they observe. And, um, so it's always good for me to learn um, from them too. But, I think it's really just about, um, yeah, like I said, putting yourself out there and introducing yourself in an email, asking if they would be open to uh, you going to observe the practice. Uh, and obviously, it's probably not something that you would ask them if you can record the practice, but um, I, I would hope that most volleyball coaches at you know the college level um, would be open to that, and I think most are. Um, we certainly are, but um, yeah, it, it's probably just a matter of just reaching out through email. Or if you have a relationship or a friendship with someone that knows the coach, um, you can kind of go through them as well just to see if it's something that uh, would be possible to do. Cool. This next question is from LMU assistant Jackson Meta something. Meta, uh, huh? What is, what is one coaching decision you made that you would take back and, and why? Um, one coaching decision. Besides hiring Jackson. Yeah. Think, <laughs> um... You know, we my my first year at uh, at LMU, we we just kind of looked at one lineup, um, and uh, I wish that I would have um, just looked at uh, some some different some different things uh, and try to do things uh, maybe um, a couple different ways. And I kind of made a decision early on of of what we were going to do offensively, and uh, we stuck with it, and there was some value to it. But I was per- I, I was too stubborn. Um, with, with trying to make it work where, um, I think we could have looked at some different things. And, and so, you know, that's probably my most recent one. I, I have a lot of things I would do differently, but that's probably one of the things that, uh, comes to mind. And last one from Ben Lee, your other assistant, he asks, what are the top two things you've learned from people that you view as a mentor? Uh, top two things. Uh, one is, uh, the importance of, um, maintaining a really solid marriage (laughs) and, uh, you know, making sure that being present at home is just as important as being present at work and making sure that you maintain the relationships that mean the most to you. And that was something that I learned from John Wallace and, Um, I was very, um, I I got to watch it firsthand. It's something that he was, he wouldn't say he's perfect at it and he's not, but it's something that he valued. And I, I saw it and it was kind of like one of those things where I was like, I I want, I want to be like that. I want to do that when I'm a head coach. I want to try to be as good of a husband and father as I can. So that's, that's probably the first thing. Um, and then the second thing was, uh, just be a learner like learn as much as you can from as many people as you can um until you start to become really convicted about how you want to do things and i think you know what i've something i've learned about myself is i I am convicted about certain things but i'm much more open now in probably the last five or six years than i've ever been and um you know 
I think like most uh, younger coaches or younger players, you, you kind of get stuck in your way. I, I know, John, that you talked about that a little bit earlier in your playing career. Um, I definitely um, was in that same mentality earlier in my coaching career. And now um, I'm, I'm as curious as I've ever been on how I can do things better. And so, um, yeah, just, just learning from mentors of just like just constantly be learning like you're never going to get there. Um, there's no end to the path of mastery. You just got to continue to go on it. That would probably be a perfect spot to end on, but we we asked some of the UCSB alumni for questions, and these goofballs have a couple, so I think we might as well ask them. Oh, let's go. All right. So the first one's from Andy McGuire. He's the second best libero in gaucho history. Uh, he he asks, uh, how do you manage an infant and a two-year-old while keeping your sanity? Uh, I got to call him and ask him because he's got the same thing going on. Um uh, you, uh, you marry up and you marry, uh, an, an incredible, uh, woman and wife and she's a rock star. Um, she holds down the fort and man, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's just awesome. She's super supportive of what I'm doing. I'm on, I'm on the road a ton, obviously during season traveling, recruiting, all those things. And, um, she keeps our, she keeps our house stable and, uh, I've learned, I think the second thing is I've, I've tried to learn how to function on next to no sleep, which is really challenging. Um, but, uh, you know, there's uh, value to caffeine and um, naps on my couch in my office periodically. <laughs> this one's from Rick McLaughlin, uh, UCSB head coach. It's a tough one. How much ranch dressing is too much ranch dressing? Oh, <laughs> uh, Rick. Uh, there, there's, there's no, there's no, it's an infinite amount. I'll eat it with everything. I'll eat it as a soup. (laughs) And he knows that. (laughs) That's, that's why he asks. All right. Last one, um, from your former beach partner and player who couldn't bump set, but he can block Theo Bruner. Uh, he asks, who's your favorite Connecticut player of all time? Uh, my favorite Connecticut player of all time was um, a guy who showed up his freshman year at Santa Barbara wearing Birkenstocks, <laughs> hard, Birkenstocks, cargo shorts, a cutoff T-shirt, puka shell necklace, and a visor. Perfect. And his name is Theo Brunner. <laughs> Theodore. It sounds like a Nils, Nils outfit. Lord Theodore Brunner. Yeah, what's the Lord part? Uh, it's it's a self-proclaim. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He just started telling people when he was at Santa <laughs> to call him Lord. Yeah, Doctor uh, Billy Allen. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, well, somehow with those goofballs, you came out as intelligent, curious, and hardworking, and uh, you make all those UCS B guys. I don't think you think you make them proud. I think you probably may piss them off a little bit, but. Uh, uh, glad uh, you're with us at LMU and learned so much from you and thankful that we finally got to do this on the podcast and people get to uh, learn from you so thanks for spending the time yeah thanks for having me you, uh, you've you had a lot of uh, really high level coaches and I think the opening to your segment is the top minds in volleyball and beyond so you guys are <laughs> getting desperate with me but I appreciate you uh, having the patience uh, had me work through some technical difficulties and i'm glad we got to do this 
we were yeah, we were working our way up. It's like a video game. You're the the yeah. end end boss. Yeah, you're the, you're the beyond. Yeah. Nice, thank you. That's far beyond. <laughs> thanks, Aaron. Exactly. All right, yeah, thanks. thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Coach Your Brains Out. If you like the show, please spread the word. Tell some other coaches about it, unless they're in your league and you compete against them. You can rate us on iTunes. I think that helps somehow. And if you want to support the show, check out patreon.com slash coachyourbrainsout. Thank you.